Welcome to your go-to source for entertainment. Wait for it. Gaming? Wait for it. Anime? Plus Ultra! Mr. Eric Almighty and Phil the Filipino? Yeah, they've got you covered. And all you gotta do is wait for it. This is the Wait For It Podcast. Welcome back to the Wait For It Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mr. Eric Almighty. And I'm super excited about this episode that wasn't originally in the cards for this month. We're actually going to be skipping an episode of Intro to Anime to do this. But it's going to be completely worth it for the show that we're talking about, which is Fruits Basket. And season three just ended. And I actually have the person on from a previous episode of Intro to Anime who recommended this show. Isn't that right, Anya? It is. I am actually really happy that you, one, started it and two, loved it as much as I do. Saying I love this show is an understatement, and Anya, aka Azawa's love interest, of course, you guys have heard her on Intro to Anime before, but if not, that'll be in the show notes, along with this past Monday's episode of why you should watch Fruits Basket. So if you have not watched the show, you are being warned, we are going to dive into full spoilers on this episode. Now, we are probably going to talk about season three the most out of anything that we talk about here, but this is the entire series review and just kind of our thoughts. Anya, I guess I should probably start off by asking, how do you feel? How are you doing? And are you okay? No, no, I'm not. I'm not okay. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, I'm pretty sure by now you kind of understand that this show originally came out in 2001. It was based on the manga, of course, as most anime is. And they had a first season that, of course, came out early 2000s. And they didn't go past the first season. They just completed the first season. So you were, like, you were actually kind of surprised when I said, like, yeah, it just ends with that whole Kyo turning into a monster thing and Toru bringing him back home. And everyone's, like, happy for, like, the next five minutes. But that's where the series ended in 2001. And I watched it, I think... I want to say like freshman year of high school and there was nothing there was nothing else for me to consume except for the manga so I went went on to read it so I could like actually have some sense of like completion um but having this reboot was like a dream come true for me and my friends that also watched it and didn't get to see the full series play out um but seeing it like God, how old am I? Seeing it over 10 years later, uh, I've been waiting for this since I first saw it in like 2009. And to have it finally end, I have this sense of closure that I did not know that I actually needed. (laughs) So it's like, I have that feeling on top of just how sad and beautiful the ending was. I'm just like, not okay. Every time I think about it, I get really sad. Yeah, you know, I just caught up to the series uh, just on time, actually, and and I had to uh, to pick up the pace. You did, and boy, did I do that. You did that, and did I did I hurt myself? So, I mean, honestly, Anya, I, I just got to ask. We're gonna, there's going to be a lot of things we have to talk about, likes, dislikes, all of it. But let's start off on a positive note. What were some things that you liked about the series or this season specifically? Okay, um, well, obviously, obviously. Kyo and Toru's first kiss. Oh my god. I was actually cheering 
alone in my apartment with my dog. I was so excited for that because it's like, of course, they had like the build up for the entire series. And I feel like the first season was like a will they, it was like a love triangle situation where you couldn't really tell who she was going to end up with. Um, then the second season kind of dealt into um, Yuki's other love interest. I cannot remember. Her name escapes me right now. I feel like her name was probably Maki. Maki, yes, you're right. Um, so they introduce Maki, and then it kind of like you know delves away, and so it's like okay, Yuki actually has a love interest. She's very like him. She's very like you know more quiet, very sweet. Um, so then it kind of gears away towards okay, cool. Everyone has their own love interest now, and so the finally just like Kyo and Toru finally having that kiss after they took the time to build up to that for like three whole seasons. Incredible, immaculate perfection loved every second of it um i was team keo from the get-go no questions asked um so that was easily my favorite part of the entire season um i'd say what would my second favorite part be um what my, I, I honestly can't think of it that was just like the highlight of the entire season for me because that is just like that was like the apex of the entire series was keo getting his curse broken him being able to rip off the bracelet him just basically being ter- like coming to terms with the fact that he is now free and someone loves him for himself. Like that was just so beautiful. Um, what was your favorite part? So hands down for me, my favorite part is when Keo confesses about Toru's mom. Oh God, you're fucked up. Of course it was. Listen, the callback from when they're in the rain in front of the house and then Toru's eyes in fear it's a callback to season one when he's transforming, but he's not even transforming here. She's just afraid of what's going to come out of his mouth. And and again, it just meant a lot to me because of everything Keo has gone through. And I mean, you know, we're not going to get into it fully, but we already we watched the show. This story is pretty fucked up. OK, so my thing is this. Um, I need to I really do need to rewatch the entire series because I noticed a lot of other parallels as well. So did you notice that? Toru had two really important redheads in her life, and both of them, they basically have the same name. Right. Because her mom, her mom's name is Kyoko, and Kyo's name is Kyo. Like, their names are very similar. They're both redheads. They both cared for her deeply. Like, I thought that was really interesting, because I never noticed that before. Because I don't, I don't really think the, um, yeah, the first season didn't really delve too much into the mom's backstory, except for that one episode where they visited the grave. Um, so I don't think I made that association until, like, recently. And then it comes to find out that she, act, like, you know, Kyo actually knew her. But, and then there was also, I think I, I, I mentioned this to you, like, the whole mudslide situation where Toru, like that piece of the mountain falls off and Toru gets gets into the hospital for it. Like she was also basically pushed into the housing situation with the Somas because of a mudslide. So it's like... It's kind of bittersweet. There's just a lot of... Yeah, there's like a lot of parallels going on within the last season. I kind of want to rewatch it just to see if there's any other parallels that I might have missed. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of character development in the show and in the season. I mean, Yuki specifically. Oh, yeah. When he yells, you know, like, you're being stupid. I can't do what you can do for her. Can't you see that? Like, then them having similar feelings about each other. Uh, it, meant a, it meant a lot, and it was emotional when you watch it. I mean, tears had pretty much already almost been flowing, uh, but I, I let them out this season. It, it was too much. It was. It was a lot. And that's what I was saying about the pacing. Like, I felt like the pacing was very odd. There was just so much 
packed into the third season, which I thought was so unusual because the second season was just so slow. And it was mostly like hinting at things, but it never really, except for like, you know, the last episode where they reveal that the family curse can be broken um, and that Akito was actually a girl. And so it's just like that kind of stuff was like, but it was towards the end of the season, but the rest of the season wasn't as like, you know, dramatic. And so just to have that much drama, like back to back, like, I'm sorry, third season, whole list of things that happen. All of a sudden, Momiji, Momiji just hits a growth spurt, has a deep ass voice all of a sudden. We don't, we don't have time to unpack that. <laughs> he just shows up looking like a grown man. When I saw Momiji, I was so confused. Like, is that? No, no way. What? It was just like. I I did not ho- fully understand what was going on because I like again it was such a, it's been a, such a long time since I read the manga so like, I didn't fully remember everything and I'm just like oh yeah but it's just like the pacing that it happened and it's like okay cool Mamiji is a grown man now cool love that apparently um, Akito had a love interest this entire time that we were just not aware of like there was just so much going on and I just feel like they should have paced it a bit better. Um, throughout like the entire series as a whole just because I just could not process every every episode just had so much going on and it's like wh- wh- where was I supposed to pause and actually reflect on everything that happened yeah I mean it was it was a lot and I think you're right but staying on the likes and we're gonna get to the pacing and the Akito and Shigure thing too <laughs> we're gonna get there uh, did you watch this in dub or sub? I watched it in dub just for nostalgia reasons. The dub was fantastic. I, I also watched it in dub, and the cast deserves just so much praise. They they did such a good job. See, I um the reason why I I mean the reason why one I love the dub so much is because that's what I originally watched it in. So it's like that sense of nostalgia. And two, one of my favorite characters from Yu Hakusho has the same voice actor as Hatsuharu. And I had the biggest crush on Hatsuharo when I first uh, watched the show. So um, I'm going to watch it up for the rest of my life. That's it. Justin Cook, love of my life. I mean, that, that's not a bad reason at all. But, you know, your hate for uh, Rin is a little questionable. <laughs> it is. I, again, I, I believe I called her an emo question bitch because it's just I, I did not like the scenes with them because I'm just like, I, I, I my love interest, my other love interest, um, Hatsuharo Soma, um, I, I just did not like seeing him with her. I just could not deal with it. I could not. All right. So let's transition into some things we, we didn't like. And then we can talk about the series as a whole, because uh, we obviously are in love with the show, mainly positive. But the Shigure reveal loving uh, Akito was a little weird. I mean, it wasn't random. There were hints previously. But, you know, then it moved on pretty fast. And, you know, did he even do anything to break the curse? That's another thing. Like, I feel like he was just taking credit for everything. No, he did not. Um, he was kind of just no thoughts, just vibes the entire show. Um, oh my god, that is so perfect. It's just no thoughts, just vibes. That was Shigure's entire personality. Like, he kind of just, like, okay, I'm the legal guardian of these two children, and that's it. Like, he kind of just stood in the background, which is fine. Like, I loved, I loved Shigure. It was super funny, very entertaining. But no, like... I mean, I mean, it's it's very apparent that he always loved her and he was kind of, it seemed like he was just kind of waiting um, for all of this to happen. That just kind of seemed what the general energy of it was. It's just like, okay, I know I'm in love with her. 
I know that I'll always love her. I just need to wait for this curse to be broken, basically everything to hit its climax before I can actually be with her. That's kind of the general energy I got, kind of just like, oh, I've always loved you. I've, I've just been waiting for this opportunity for you to be free so we could be together, which I didn't really have a problem with. Um, I'm very glad that they kind of, they kind of hinted that this romance was going to happen in the second season. So it wasn't a complete blindside for me. And I'm happy he kind of got a happy like conclusion as well. Um, well, that's the one thing I really, I mean, I don't think I mentioned, but I really did like that everyone kind of had like a whole conclusion. Um, as far as my dislikes, I know it's a cultural thing. I know, I know. But these age differences, man. Um, <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. I know. It's just like, sorry, again, I, I should have brushed up on the character names. Kyo's master. Why was he with Toru's best friend at the end? That came out of nowhere. And I'm just like, okay, she's a weird, char weird character. They probably just kind of threw that in there for shock value slash comic relief. Didn't really have a problem with it. Well, they were hinting about uh, Kazuma, I believe is his name. And, you know, it was like when Kyo was like, please don't marry her master. Like, I, I feel like that was there. But I mean, if we're going to bring that up, we're going to have to bring up Uotani and Kurano. That has to be called out too, right? Like, I just had to look past some things. Yeah. It's just weird. I mean, I understand it. I understand. It's a cultural thing. It, But he was 27 at the end of the show. Yeah, I mean, both of those felt like pretty obvious age gaps. They were solid 10-year age gaps because my friend um, was watching and he was like, I don't, he's like, I didn't really, because I think he was watching the episode where Shigure was basically, like it was hinted that Shigure and Akito had been together. And he was like, I don't really, like that's super gross. And I'm like, well, I think Akito was like a young teenager during that scene when they're out in the garden at the Soma house. Um, and basically asking like, you know, do you love me? I think that Akita was like a young teenager and Shigure was like an older teenager. So their age gap was probably like... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I thought they had a bigger age gap. That, that was the vibe I was getting. Well, no, he's 26. He's 26. No, I didn't know that because I remember looking... I, I also had a crush on him as well. So when I was younger, I looked up his age. Um, and that's not a bad choice. <laughs> but... It is not. It is not. Um, also, Hatsuharu was like 14 when he was first introduced, which is weird because he was like fucking six foot. It was weird as hell. Um, yeah, so you know, it, they, I don't think they ever specify her age. It just, like, I think they just said 20s because they, like, she wasn't a child during that scene. She wasn't like eight years old because she's definitely older than Kyo and Yuki. And Kyo and Yuki during that time period were visibly like eight years old. Like that's when they were itty bitty. And she was a little bit older than them. So probably like 12, 13. And Shigure was probably like 15, 16. So it's like, that was kind of like, there's probably like maybe like a five year age gap. So that one wasn't too bad. But the rest of them, <laughs> I want to call CPS. Um... <laughs> yeah, it's a little problematic for sure. It is. It's hella... And it's like, it just did not age well because, again, this manga... Like, so the original series came out in 2001. So this was written in the 90s where, like, you know, people weren't as culturally aware and it's also a different country. So, you know, it's a little bit different. Um, also, I always have to say this whenever people... Um, whenever, I, whenever I tell people to watch this, 
The Japanese word for, sorry, the American word for cousin does not translate to Japanese very well. Um, so they're not all like super blood related. So I always have to specify that. It's like basically they're a clan the same way that if you watch Naruto, there are clans in there. Like they're not all blood relatives. Um, some of them are related by blood. Some of them are like, you know, their parents are siblings or something, but not all of them are. So that is something that I always have to say as a precursor. I mean, that's good for context though. Like when I told you to leave them and their love incest alone, but I, f I figured you were going to address it here. It's just like, I just always feel the need to explain it because it's just like, it's just not, it does not translate well. That is a mistranslation of the word cousin, which I understand, but it's always important to explain to people that one of my favorite anime is not riddled with incest. Like I'm pretty sure at some point, Hatri, who is the dragon, the doctor, um, he, someone I think makes a joke about him and Shigure and he's like, no, like I can't date him. He's like my blood relative. Like, they make that differentiation where it's just like, okay, some people are blood relatives and some people are very close in lineage, but then the rest of the family isn't. It's just essentially everyone with the last name Smith. You might be related to them, you might not be. <laughs> but at some point, you probably have a common ancestor. Yeah, I mean, between that and the age difference thing, I can understand what you mean about translation being an issue. Um, another one I was going to bring up was uh, Ayame and the Maid. Uh, Yuki's brother? I'm pretty sure she was a, no, I'm pretty sure she's an adult because she was working, she's, she works in her store. I mean, I guess that is a good point. I mean, the show made me question way more than I needed to, so, so maybe I'm just getting confused. It, it's not even a confusion, it's just concerning more than anything. It's just so concerning because I'm just like, okay, that's a little weird. And it's like, you know, they emphasize that Hatsuharo, even though he's like 14 when he's first introduced, like, oh, he seems really mature for his age because he's also like Kyo's size when he's supposed to be in middle school and like at that point Kyo's in high school so like they kind of emphasize different age differences or just like different things but then in other ways they just kind of completely gloss over it and I'm like that's uh that should be addressed yeah and honestly that was pretty much all all my dislikes I can think of did you have anything else no, not at all. Just besides the um, extreme age differences and the pacing of the third season, it's still one of my favorite anime, like hands down. Um, not just because it's like a sense of nostalgia, but it's just such a beautiful story, just like of loss and grief and coming to terms with your destiny and coming to terms with yourself and how you can like change your fate, how you can accept your fate and how you can just move on from grief. It's just so, so fantastic. I mean, honestly, it's a wonderful story and it, it's just so good. I, I, but I feel like a lot more people should be watching it. Like for me, this turned out to be a top five anime and I didn't walk in expecting that. You know, I personally held it in really high regards by the end. You know, I, I think of a film like Your Name, although it was a movie, it gave me that same sense of emotion and feeling and it was more than just, again, a, a one-stop shop for one type of anime. It had a lot of different elements to it. I wasn't expecting the twist and the turns that the show took. Like Momoji, for example, got me in my feelings a lot when he was on screen. And he's just a side character. Right. And that's, I mean, it's just like, you know, obviously there's a, a sense of trauma. Besides Shigure. Shigure, again, no thoughts, just vibes. It's just like everyone just would reflect on how the curse really affected them and their relationships to the other members of the Zodiac. And it was all just so heartbreaking, especially Momiji's, where it's like, 
his own mother couldn't accept him and was on the verge of having a mental breakdown because when she hugged her son, he turned into a little bunny rabbit. And so she had to have her memories erased and doesn't even know, like, you know, that's that she has like another child. And so it's just, I mean, that is something actually I would have loved to see, like, you know, explored more. It's just like, okay, well, did she get her memories back after his curse was broken? Please say yes. I mean, he talked to her on the ledge, right? You're right. I mean, it was sad, but it was nice for him to get some closure. And and I think it kind of implied that they knew each other enough to maybe be holding that kind of conversation. Yes, that and I mean, of course, with the manga, it's completely different, Um, like as far as the timing and everything. But it's just, I mean, it goes into a lot more detail, obviously. And that was the problem with the first series, because within the first season, they did not introduce the horse and they did not introduce the rooster um, until the second season. So I really had no idea. That's why I finished the, like, the manga, because I just had no idea what happened with the rest of the story. Um, and so in my mind... <laughs> The pacing's just super strange to me with the third season because it's just so much of the story just unfolds within, what is it, like 12, 13 episodes. Like, it wasn't that much. Whereas the manga, you're just like, you know, of course, reading continuously. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And pacing aside, though, not only the voice cast being amazing, but the music was a huge highlight, too. Like, between the openings and the ending songs, the music that played behind the scenes on screen... I thought it was very well done. Uh, You guys have heard me talk about the Anime Noise podcast. Uh, If you listen to this past Monday's episode and you listen to Intro to Anime 10, uh, they'll probably be doing something more in-depth about it. And I'm super excited about that episode. If they've got an extra seat, I'm there in a moment's notice. But, uh, you know, Anya, let me ask you, what are your favorite opening or ending songs from the anime? Um, I would 100% say the third season... The third season opening was just so good. Um, And I think it's because when I first watched the 2001 rendition of the show, um, it was just like, again, it was so much of the first season was like, will they, won't they slash love triangle situation that seeing like the last season opener and seeing how they kind of, um, they paired everyone together, like romantically within the opening Um, And seeing just, like, Yuki have his own love interest and, like, the love interest making it to the opening for him, like, that was just, like, really nice to see because, let's be real, Yuki is the best boy. He is sweet. He's amazing. He deserves someone. And so I remember, like, one of my friends and I were talking about the show and she's like, I wanted wanted Toru and Yuki together. And I'm like, first of all, you're wrong. Why is this such a shock to people? It's obvious. That's what I'm saying. Like, she belongs, like, from the get-go, okay? From the beginning, it was Kyo and Toru. Like, I I don't... I digress. Um, but Yuki did deserve someone. Like, everyone loves Yuki. Like, we're not saying that Yuki did not deserve someone. He just, you know, Kyo belonged with Toru. That's it. Point blank, period. And so, seeing him be able to get his own love interest and be genuinely happy with her was just so satisfying to me. Like, almost as satisfying as Kyo and Toru actually kissing and being together and having, and then having grandkids. Oh, I loved that, the ending. But... Yeah, season three opener, easily my favorite. And also, I don't, I don't usually watch the, um, I don't usually watch the endings. Wow, that's really disappointing to hear. It really is. It is. I mean, for me, I guess I'll talk about it. The ending songs are some of my all-time favorites. Like, 
Every single season was great. Most of the openings were good, too. I threw a bunch of uh, songs from this anime on the Wait For It playlist that we have over on Spotify, if you want to give those a listen. But that season three opening, I guess, if I could highlight that, too, was fantastic. Both, not only the song, but the visuals. And then I also really like the song called Chime from season one, I think it is. The only one I didn't like was that home song from season two. I mean, were there any you didn't like or were they all bangers for you? They were all bangers. They were all bangers individually. Just like, I mean, like some of them were obviously a bit more sad, sad than those. I think the first, yeah, the first seasons were a little bit more sad, but like towards the end, they kind of got more of like a pop beat towards them. And it was so fantastic, each one. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, this show hit on so many different levels. Uh, but now that we talked about season three a lot, were there any moments that you wanted to talk about that that came before this season? Any highlights that you wanted to mention? Um. Okay, so my favorite scene of all time is when um, they're they're at the high school. And I think it was, yeah, so it's the episode where I think the new year's starting and it comes to Kyo and Yuki's attention that Momiji and Hatsuharu transferred to her school. You know where I'm going with this. Yes. The scene with, I think it's like the high school patrol brigade or whatever their name is. They are super upset that Momiji is wearing the girls uniform. And oh my God, that is the funniest. That is one of the funniest scenes in any anime that I've ever fucking seen in my life. Um, just with Hatsuharu turning into Black Haru and just going completely off and... Again, I watched the show when I was young. I was like 13, 14 when I watched it. I had to Google. I did not understand how Haru proved that was his natural hair color. I did not understand that scene at all. Um, so the fact that I had to like sit there and I was like super confused. It's this like child. I'm like, wait, how did he prove it? I don't understand. I had to go into, cause I was watching it all on YouTube um, back in the day. That's how I watched it. So I had to go to the comments and someone had to explain it to me. And I'm just like, oh, wow. So that is such a standout moment to me just because of how funny that entire scene was um, and how innocent Toru was because she didn't get it either. And how Momiji was just, oh my God, he's so adorable. Um, fun fact, in the 2001 version, he actually doesn't have a German accent. Yeah, you know, I was actually curious about that because I thought the voice acting was actually really good and it, and it could be on the nose or or be really corny, but I didn't think it was. Well, he was half German. Yeah, but like part of his character was that he was, he's half German. It could have, yeah. But it's just like, I, I feel like the casting was just perfect. Like you said earlier, like I never had, like I didn't feel like anyone's voice didn't fit them. Like, I know that's a lot of criticism when people watched um, Sub versus Dub. It's just like, especially for My Hero Academia, like people constantly roast um, Deku's English voice, which is a little annoying at times, but like, I feel like it fits him. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I, I agree. I think there's times where it's not up to par, but for the most part, I thought it's good. Like even compared to the Sub, I think there are moments for sure that are pretty good. Right. And so it's just like, that's usually the, like the criticism is just like, oh, it doesn't match or it's just not as good as the sub. But I feel like the, cause usually the, the criticism that I always hear is that sub versus dub is that the sub actors are just better actors um, because they could just evoke emotion in the character and bring the character to life a lot more um, accurately than dub actors can. And it's just like, I mean, I usually do, do not agree with that at all, but 
I mean, I just feel like there's no complaints at all when it comes to the show. Like, I can't think of anyone's voice acting that was off or it sounded funny to me or anything like that. Like, everyone sounded like a teenager when they were a teenager. Everyone sounded like an adult when they were an adult, etc. Like, that's sometimes my criticism of um, subbed animes is just that I'm like, this is a 14-year-old child. Why do they have so much bass in their voice? <laughs> like... Like, why, if, like, for example, like, again, bring up My Hero Academia again, like, Bakugo's voice actor, like, love him to death, he's great, but Bakugo's, like, 15, and he has the voice of a grown-ass man with a mortgage and 2.5 children. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you talking about the dub? No, I'm talking about the sub, for the sub. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, like, the sub is, like, the voice is just so deep, and it's, like, it's not that it's bad, but I'm, like, he's 15, <laughs> Have you heard a 15-year-old boy speak before? They don't have that much bass. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I mean, Todoroki's also kind of hit or miss, uh, too. But I personally love Bakugo's voice actor for the dub. So, I mean, no, I get it. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, again, that's my... Same thing with Todoroki's, because I, I just feel like their voices are a bit too deep for what their ages are supposed to be. Like, they are supposed to be 15-year-old boys, and these voices are not cracking. And these voices <laughs> are not someone who is going through puberty these are again grown-ass men voices which i mean of course they're being played by grown-ass men i understand that but i just never felt that in fruits basket at all i just felt like adults sounded like adults um like ayame um super flamboyant in his mannerisms his voice was super flamboyant loved it fun fact do you know who voices that character <gasps> no who so it's actually uh, Christopher Sabat, uh, who does uh, All Might. Oh, you're shitting me. I'm not. My wife cannot unhear it after I told her. Now I have to look at the whole cast list. Because I feel like I feel like Shigure, if I look it up, I think Shigure might have the same voice actor as someone else I really like. Um, I feel like he's the same voice actor as Kurama in Yu Hakusho, but I could be wrong. You know, what I liked about the voice actors were that they're, they had a, uh, a little clip after the first episode of season three on Funimation, uh, which, I mean, you wouldn't have seen if you didn't watch the ending song. I don't. I saw that. But I, I really liked that little preview from the dub cast and how excited they were about it. It, it got me excited. Uh, also, fun note, the person who dubs Yagirozu in My Hero Academia is also the one that does uh, Akito. Of course. So that would make sense. Okay, but I actually just Googled... Um... Sugar Ice voice actor, and I was 100% right, and I'm so proud of myself. He does also voice Kurama in Yu Hakusho, which it makes sense. I mean, the characters are completely different. I don't know if you ever watched Yu Yu Hakusho. It is on my to-do list, Anya. Damn it. Oh my god. I know, I'm sorry. Listen, at this point, I'm just gonna say fuck it and watch One Piece too. Don't. No. No. Absolutely. That's, that's not even funny. That's not even a joke. That's kind of a joke. I was like, can you like get through my recommendations? Because most of my recommendations are like less than 200 episodes. It's not ideal. And I don't need to tell you. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, don't don't be a fill. Don't be a fill. <laughs> oh yeah, never be a fill. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, you have to show, it's one of my favorites, but it's more because it invokes a sense of nostalgia. So if you don't like it, I will not be offended. Um, but yeah, I mean, like again, like the voice acting was just never something that i was actually like bothered by even toru um one of my friends she watched she's a very she's one of those sub people that like you know judges the stub watchers um she said toru's english voice was annoying i'm like no she's a teenage girl her voice is supposed to be 
sweet and happy and bubbly. And I feel like- She's so innocent. How could you hate anything about her? That's what I'm saying. So my thing is this, I loved Toru so much because, you know, with a lot of anime, people always shit on like the female main characters. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure the entire fandom will actually physically go to war if anyone had anything bad to say about Toru. Like we would gang up like the Somas themselves um, for Toru because she's just like, and it's a really funny joke to me because in my mind, like most of the show is like, wow, she did all this with the power of friendship, which is a huge anime cliche. But the way that the show just kind of plays it out, it's not corny. It's literally that she is just so naturally kind and warm hearted and loves everyone and just sees the best in everyone no matter what. That's what helped break the curse is just like pure kindness and empathy for others. Like that's that's how she broke the curse. And I just love everything about that because it's like this girl has gone through so much grief and so much pain in her personal life and yet somehow manages to just still remain kind and wonderful throughout the entire show. And like my favorite part was just like towards, I think, yeah, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the entire series as a whole was just how towards the end, everyone's just like, you are loved so much more than you know. And you made like such a bigger impact on everyone's lives than you're like willing to admit. That's what they're telling Toru towards the end. And it's just like, that's such a beautiful saying because it's just, you never know how you positively, positively impacted someone's lives. And these aren't things that you always think about, but the way that you can just ask someone how they're doing and they get to like vent to you about their problems can make a huge impact on their life. And that's basically Toru's entire personality is just like, oh, I'm going to be nice to everyone by default and actually dramatically impact their lives just by showing basic human decency. <laughs> and so... Who knew? I know. And it's just like, it's so wonderful. And so like, it's just, it, it's just such a beautiful story and I'm so happy you enjoyed it. Oh man. It was so good. It, I mean, it's really up there for me. I, I wouldn't be shocked if I rewatched it just to get hurt again. Uh, but we talked about a lot on yet. So let me ask, are there any final thoughts or any plugs you want to throw out there as we wrap things up for this episode? Uh, no, um, I, I don't have anything to plug right now besides my TikTok, which is again, I always love interest. Um, but I mean, as far as anime goes, this is my top five as well. Um, 10 out of 10 recommend. It is full of laughs. It is full of tears. It is absolutely amazing. Agreed. 110%. Thanks for joining us on this impromptu episode for one of our favorite anime that just finished up here. Make sure if you like this episode to also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wait For It Podcast and on Twitter at Wait For It Pod to find out some exciting things we're doing like this month, us hosting Bold Matsuri if you're in Jacksonville. Make sure to check the show notes and hopefully you can come support us there in the middle of July. And if you just want to find more episodes of the Wait For It Podcast, you can actually find us pretty much anywhere that your favorite podcast is already streaming. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, and many, many more platforms. My name is Mr. Eric Almighty, and please don't forget, we release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday, and all you have to do is wait for it. So, I heard you're looking for a go-to source for entertainment. Wait for it? Gaming? Wait for it? Anime? Plus Ultra!
Mr. Eric Almighty and Phil the Filipino? Yeah, they've got you covered. And all you gotta do is wait for it. This is the Wait For It Podcast.